Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christ is risen. The Feast of the Resurrection in our church is a period of 50 days. 50 days of the, the overflowing joy that would come from the resurrection as we know that the crucifixion is, is sorrow, it's sadness. It was, it was hard for us to go through that week and to go with the Lord Jesus Christ step by step. And we go through this in many ways, yearly, monthly, weekly, daily. We're remembering the, the crucifixion of the Lord uh, Christ all the time. But in the same time, we're remembering the resurrection. We remember the whole life cycle of Christ. We don't just stress one part. And the, the beauty of this is that we have the joy at the end of the resurrection, and then the cycle begins again. So this gospel, for many reasons, makes sense that the church would be selecting this gospel, reading from John chapter 6, verse 35 to 45, because if we heard the gospel uh, now and paid close attention to what was being said, there are multiple references of the resurrection in this passage, right? You see here that it says that God will raise them up in the last day. Uh, it's mentioned multiple times here. So that's the, the overarching theme here, that we have the resurrection, and that's why we're contemplating and meditating on this passage this morning. But there are four things that are being mentioned here as well. There's the bread of life, that's the first thing. Then there's the will of God, that's the second thing. And then there's the third thing, which is murmuring. And then the fourth thing that's mentioned is taught by God. So by God's grace, we're going to reflect on each of these, these four points. So what is the bread of life? And why is that important in its relation to the resurrection? The bread of life, as we know in the Old Testament, was for the children of Israel a big deal because when they left Egypt after the 10 plagues, we know of the beautiful story of the children of Israel being given the manna. The manna was like this very beautiful tasting uh, wafer that had a sweet honey-like taste to it and God would provide this bread for them every day in the desert because they had no food right so he provided for them this bread but more importantly is the title I am because when he says I am the bread of life it's a double point in who he is I am Ego in me is the Greek of I am. Ego in me. Our church actually has very beautiful inscriptions of the I am's here in the iconostasis. And I am, uh, the bread of life, is here as well, up on the iconostasis. So when we hear the word I am, I am also comes from when Moses was with the Lord Jesus, when the, the Lord Jesus Christ was in the burning bush and 
Moses needed to know who this was. And God spoke to Moses and said, I am who I am. So these two things in the Old Testament matter so much because the Lord Jesus Christ is identifying himself as I am and the bread, the manna. But now we know him more clearly in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ that he is who he is, I am who I am, and that he is the bread of life. A lot of the saints talk about why the bread of life, why the Holy Communion is so important. The Holy Communion is so important for us as Christians because we have a longing, we have a desire, we have this feeling of wanting to approach Christ and to be united with Him. So God satisfies hungry souls. God can only satisfy a hungry soul. If I'm feeling like I'm good, I'm okay, I don't need anything, then what can God give me? Nothing. Why? Because I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. I'm not longing and desiring for God. So the bread of life is important. You know, it makes a lot of sense. When you look at people who are in the world trying to make a living, we call them hustlers. They're, they're hustling. They're working hard. Why? They're, they're hungry. They're, they're looking to make something, to make a living, to make an earning, to live a certain lifestyle. But is that feeling for us in our spiritual life? Do we have a longing? Do we have a hunger to be with God? And if we do, He can satisfy that. So the bread of God is the only food that can satisfy us when we are faced with afflictions or adversaries or troubles or problems. It's the only food that will give us that satisfaction. Also, the bread of life gives us power over death. It's the food, it is the medicine that gives us life. It's not just some bread and some wine, but it is food that nourishes life. It is life-giving. It is the blood of Christ. It is the, the food that comes from heaven. It is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that He gave for us on the holy wood of the cross and for our eternal life, for the resurrection. So He gives us power over death. He gave us this power and this authority over death by this resurrection that we see in our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us a foretaste. He gave us a sample. He gave us a glimpse. That's what's happening now. We're catching a glimpse of heaven now. We say, Our Father who art in heaven, right? All the time, the Lord's Prayer. And we say, On earth as it is in heaven. So we're experiencing a little slice, a little sliver of heaven right now. It's a taste. It's a foretaste. And I pray that we all are excited about the experience so that we could long and desire for more. You know, if you put something really nice in front of someone to eat and they enjoy it, like an appetizer or something, it opens the palate, it opens the hunger and the desire for the rest of the courses. So we got to think like that, right? In a way that makes sense for us. We're trying to get ourselves ready for the kingdom of heaven. So that's the bread of life. The second thing that was mentioned was the will of God. A lot of young people ask this question all the time. What's God's will for me in my life? Should I go to this school? 
Should I buy this car? Should I marry this person? That's all good. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. But that's secondary stuff. That's not the primary will of God. The primary will of God is your sanctification, your holiness. That is the first will of God, and then all the other things will be set in place. So what is the will of God? That's mentioned multiple times here. It says, I will by no means cast anyone out, right? God's will for us is to draw us to himself, not to push us away. God wants us to be close to him. If you think more on this and you reflect on this passage closely, think and see how it's something prideful and arrogant to push someone away. And that's the very opposite of who Christ is. The devil is the one who casts away, pushes away, because it's coming from pride. But a humble person is the one who wants someone to draw near to them. And that's exactly who the Lord Jesus Christ is. His humility is inviting, it's welcoming, it's simple. We don't feel any sort of feeling of, like, uh, it's like not something we're worthy of, but he welcomes us. He doesn't make us feel like we're not welcome, but he opens his arms to us. So God gave us our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father sent his only begotten Son, and the will of God the Father is the will of his Son, Jesus Christ. They never conflicted. They never disagreed. They were always in unity. They never contradicted each other. It wasn't like they were arguing about who would go get sent and die on the cross. It was really the beautiful one will of God between both of them. There was equality between them. There was never any division or disagreement. But what's so beautiful about it is even though his will is one with his father, he still surrenders his will. He still says, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. So the obedience that we see in the Trinity, if God is obedient to his Father, and they're perfect, right? How much more should we be obedient to the will of God? We also, in the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy will be done. It's the Lord's will that should be done and not my will. So always use that as a metric. Always use that as the measurement. Is this pleasing to God? Does it make sense in the light of what the Bible says or, what, or who Christ is? That's our measuring stick. We want to live a most complete and full life as much as possible. We're all desiring that. But it only will be perfect at the end. It won't be perfect now. Please understand this because you're going to be very frustrated in life. If you're looking for perfection here and now, you're going to be a frustrated person. But we get it later. The completion of all things comes at the end. And everything will make sense backwards. There is no such thing as a utopia. There is no such thing as a perfect relationship. There is no such thing as a perfect communication. There's always some challenges and difficulties. So we desire the bread of life. We desire the kingdom of heaven. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. The third thing, murmuring. People complain a lot, right? We're good at it. And in the Old Testament, 
The same thing happened in the desert, in the wilderness. What happens? They complained about the manna. They complained about the manna. Can you imagine? Bread from heaven coming down. And they say, you know, we really enjoyed the delicacies of Egypt. Yeah, we were under the mighty arm of Pharaoh, but let's go back and, you know, we, we enjoy those delicacies more. Let's go back to that. What, what did you do, Moses? Why did you bring us out here to get hungry? And so they murmured. They complained. Nothing satisfied them. They were never content. And so this may sound strange, but God permitted for them to be bitten by serpents and they fell dead. And so Moses said, God, come on. I'm here to help these people make it to the promised land. He said, okay, take the bronze serpent, which is a metal rod, and take a copper serpent and roll it around the staff and make them look at the staff or the iron uh, serpent. And whenever they look to it after being bit by the serpent, they won't die, they'll live. Actually, have you ever noticed that symbol on any ambulance? It's the medical symbol. It's the symbol that's on an ambulance. It's on the badges of doctors and nurses. That symbol is the cross. That symbol is our symbol. That's the cross. So there's always a solution in Christ, the, the, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross, the resurrection, all these are for us as a antidote, as a medicine, as a healing, and for salvation. I want to end by the last point that's being made in this gospel, which says that the prophets say that they shall be taught by God. We have hungry souls that are also intellectual. They're not just people that want to just obey, but they want to be intellectually satisfied. God is also going to satisfy your intellectual hunger. It's very important. And what's so important by this is that sometimes we look in the wrong places for the source. The source is God himself. What I love about the Lord Jesus Christ is he had no source. When they asked him, who was your teacher? He said, I have no teacher. And that also disappointed them because any person needs a teacher. But our teacher and our dead end is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, the only thing that will satisfy your soul your mind, your heart, your spirit is one person. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why this is so important for us. These verses give us insight into the mystery of the resurrection and to keep ourselves attached to the, the foundational things, which are the cross, which are the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the reading of the scripture and holding on to the person of Christ keeping him burning in our minds and our hearts. You know, the first thing after the resurrection is Emmaus Monday. And I love very much that day because it says that the two disciples were walking down the road of Emmaus and there was one thing that was going on. There was a burning desire for him because he's not with them anymore. And they are longing for his coming and they are longing for him to be with them. And so 
maybe we feel a little separated from God. Maybe we feel a little detached from God. But now's the time to have a desire that is stirring up in you and approach Christ and know, know that He wants to be with you. And may God give us this gift, this season in our lives. And to Him be all the glory, the honor, forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.